0: Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. We have been studying then, as Chuck mentioned, 2 Corinthians. um, And we are at the point um, where we talked about a couple weeks ago, where Paul is transitioning into um, spiritual afflictions. And so again, the the theme of 2 Corinthians, at least from my point of view, is this concept of afflictions and that. Paul was encouraging the believers to to embrace the afflictions that, that they go through in life, knowing that um, the purpose of afflictions is for us to serve one another and for God to be glorified in it so that the, the encouragement that we receive from God within our afflictions, we can turn around and offer to others in the midst of their afflictions as well. And so um, while we go through this COVID um, situation, literally there's many opportunities for us to um, to be able to encourage others. It may be that um, the Lord allows us to um, go through some of those afflictions that we don't want to go through. Um, but to know that, that as we go through those afflictions, that God is getting glory out of it or desires to get glory out of it. And it all depends on how we respond to it and react to it. Um, two weeks, three weeks ago, um, we began looking at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and um, it has taken us a while to come through this as well. I mentioned way back at the beginning how this transitions even into chapter 11, and we'll be talking about these first couple of verses of Paul's boldness, um, that he, he doesn't want to come to them with boldness, but he's going to because there's um, these individuals who are um, fighting against his ministry, In I made the the comment that you can see along the the left sidebar there that when you begin to share the truth of God's word and seek to live according to its standards, you will find opposition. And so the reality is that as I desire to serve Christ, to serve God, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, I I enter into this spiritual war. Um, And and the more and more that I desire to be set apart to Him, the more and more there's the potential for that that battle to 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 be entered into um, in my life. And so, um, so I want to encourage you that if indeed you have um, decided to, to become more and more involved in this seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that that you would um. Don't be dismayed if if you are honestly um, finding that you have um, spiritual opposition that's going on in your life. It's a promise. And so we were told then in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. And then he goes on for, with the fours, and that's where we're, we're, we're at. But again, just as a reminder that we went through. The weapons of our warfare by looking at Ephesians chapter 6 and we discussed then what these weapons of our warfare are in that beginning with the belt of truth that everything is based upon that truth that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life God desires all uh, as well to to be worshiped in spirit and in truth we can spend a whole lot of time talking about that and we did when we went through the belt of truth but truth is integral to everything else everything is tied to truth but the the chief truth that we're told about is the righteousness of Christ and how Jesus died for us that our own self righteousness is like a filthy rag but then Jesus died for us in order that he might do the great exchange that he who knew no sin might become my sin our sin in order that we might become his righteousness and so the the breastplate of righteousness, which we are called to put on, is not our own righteousness but rather the righteousness of Christ. Having done that then to put on the preparation of the gospel um, on our feet that we go forth with the gospel, but as we go forth with the gospel, then again those those spiritual wars are going to come, and so we have then the the um, the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the, the sword of the spirit, which is the Word of God. but having taken up all those things we're supposed to empower ourselves through prayer, having done all to pray, pray with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. And so then um, Paul says at the very end of it, he says, and for me, that I may open my mouth boldly as I ought to speak. And so the idea is that the, the power of all of that's going to come through prayer. And so having looked at and identified the weapons of our warfare, we then moved into this next phase, and that is the utilization of these, um, these weapons. And Paul gives four four items, at least in this section, uh, in how we are supposed to use these weapons, these uh, spiritual weapons. And the first of them is sort of holding down of strongholds. And two weeks ago, we talked about this, and we looked at the four strongholds of ignorance, uh, idolatry, iniquity, and then intimidation, and then how, again, they play on through. But ignorance is you can have... Um, Ignorance that is um, truly unintentional ignorance, but I think most ignorance is really intentional that people just don't want to know. Um, And so, continually, for at least as believers, we're told in God's word, I would not have you be ignorant, I would not have you be ignorant, I would not have you be ignorant. And so, God wants us to know things. In fact, I was thinking mindful of that even this week, meditating a little bit on Revelation, um, even in Revelation chapter 1 where we're told blessed is he who reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and continue in it. Um, that even the book of revelation, as we think about the, the teachings of the end time, that, that God doesn't want us to be ignorant of these times. You know, we are not to be of the darkness, Paul says to the Thessalonians, but rather to be children of light that we ought to understand the signs, the seasons to know what's going on and uh, to look at the events of this world from the vantage point of God, and not the vantage point of man. And yet, we we continually get caught up in the, the things of the flesh. And so um, so I just want to encourage you in that. And then we talked about the idolatry that's even here prevalent in the United States, that um, we become wrapped up into, it. we become distracted in our, our walk. And so Galatians 5 says very clearly that the lust of the flesh and the, and the um, walking in the spirit, they're contrary to one another. So you cannot do the things that you would. And so we have to choose to go after the fruit of the spirit and to walk in the spirit rather than going after the things of the flesh. It's a choice and we'll give an account for that as well. And that leads then into the iniquity that comes as a result of that. And then the intimidation Um, ultimately the the greatest intimidation is the fear of man and the fear of, of death. But Jesus has conquered the fear of death. Um, Death comes as a result of sin. Jesus conquered that. And so that death That fear of death ultimately comes from Satan, who is the destroyer. Um, But we ought to then choose to fear God, Um, the fear Yahweh, as opposed to fearing man. And so Jesus talks about that as well. I want to quickly look at these final three this morning. And so we're going to begin at the casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so as you look at this, there is, first of all, um, the, the question that we need to look at and to ask ourselves is what is then the arguments what are what is it referring to and if you remember again again this is all talking about many people talk about this from the perspective of just the strongholds and as far as um my um addictions and stuff like that and that's not what this passage is all about this is all about against spiritual war and bit, again about truth the 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 attack of truth And so this argument for casting down arguments, even every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, then is talking about arguments that actually attack the gnosis, the knowledge of God. And so these are based upon the logic of man, that literally um, this word for arguments is the word logismos, um, which you can see there on the screen, literally means logic or reason. It is the intentional calculated thinking. And so it's derived from the word legitsomai, which we see in Philippians chapter 4, when it says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things we have good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And literally, the word legitsomai, then, is the where we get our word logistics from, and it is the, the idea of the, taking an inventory or thinking through something, meditating on it, considering it, analyzing it. And so, so those things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report and virtuous and, and praiseworthy, I am supposed to set my mind on these things to overcome anxiety and everything else. Well, it's the same concept then when, in, when it comes to here that man um, continually uses logic to try to distract us from knowing God. The, um... And this is really an important thing to me from the perspective of that Jesus said in John 17, verse 3, um, This is life eternal that they may, gnosko, know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. The word um, Gnosis, which we're going to look at in a moment, is derived from the word gnosko. and it is an intimate knowledge that's there. And so, what's kind of fun, though, is these um and you 're going to see a word play that goes on here, and I want to show it to you i mean though it 's greek hopefully you'll you'll kind of track with this um, Paul says that these these arguments are those which are inflated exalted um, against the gnosis of God, and so you can see i 've got the word there for inflated it's eruntas um, eruntas and literally comes from the word iro, which means to lift up and so the the, the Greek epi, the, the prefix there, the preposition, um, is like when we use like a, as an epicenter, um, talking about like with a, the earthquake, the epicenter of the earthquake was in whatever. And so talking about the very, very focal point, I could say the center of the earthquake was located, but the epicenter then tells me I'm even looking at more of a focused center, a more defined area. So this is the epi, epi-aruntas. So this is A focus lifting up. And so this is somebody who is inflating um, an argument, inflating themselves. They're exalting this, and they're exalting it against. And so the word kata in the Greek means to go against something. They're inflating it against knowing God. Um, The word is used, you can see, 16 of 29 times in uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians because there was this this battle of knowledge that was going on um, in the Grecian land. And so slight little background, don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but Gnosticism um, was a a very prevalent um, uh, religious um, distortion of the truth That was going on in these days. And so John's gospel is distinctly different from the other three gospels because John literally is writing um, his gospel um, in a Gnostic or against the Gnostic mindset, that he is revealing who the true truth is, who really is the light. And so there were terms that were used in Gnosticism. um, And so Gnostics would say that they had this this special truth. And so Paul and and John um, seek to to work against that and to to state, no, true knowledge is in Christ alone. It's in the only true God. And so we see that then, and I'll talk about this in a moment as well. When Paul goes to um, the Areopagus, that um, that is what he's trying to do for these Individuals that, as Chuck read earlier in Acts 17, he's trying to get them true knowledge, and so um, you can read in First Corinthians to 11 And I'm not going to go to those passages; that are there for you to be able to go and see how Paul uses this term that the potential for gnosis for knowledge to lift up individuals. But Paul says in Philippians 3 that he um, has this desire to know Christ. He says, "Yes, indeed, I also count all things." but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, dung, the things that maggots would, would crawl upon, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from, from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death, so Paul's chief desire was to gnosco relationally, intimately, experientially, continually grow in his knowledge of Christ, and that's what Peter says. The very last words that Peter share with the dispersed church before he dies. 2 Peter three eighteen. You all probably know it. You've probably memorized it or heard it numerous times. But grow in the grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And so, 1 Timothy 6, uh, Paul tells Timothy, he says, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. If there's anything I can stress to individuals more than anything else, it's this concept of knowing God, not just knowing about God. There are so many people, I think, in this world who know a lot about God, but they don't know him. Jesus said, this is life eternal that they may Knosko you not oida not Edo it 's not the factual knowledge its it 's the relational or exper- experiential knowledge and satan doesn 't want that satan doesn 't want it I me mean, think about it, Adam and Eve, what did they have in the garden before Satan came and tempted them? They had an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. Yahweh used to come and walk with them in the garden they they, they, they heard him, they walked with him in fact. When the, after they had sinned, when they went to hide themselves, it was because they heard God walking in the garden. That's a mind-boggling thing. They fellowshiped with God. And when sin came into the world, when, when they chose to, to follow after Satan, instantly their fellowship with God was broken. They hid. And Yahweh comes into the garden and says, Adam, where are you? He says, well, I'm hi- I was hiding. Well, why are you hiding? Well, I was naked. Well, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? And so at that point, our intimacy, our fellowship was, was broken and hindered. But that is exactly what God wants. God wants us to, to come back to that intimacy. That is the truth that he wants all men to know. But Satan is continually fighting against it. And he is lifting up other arguments against it. Uh, it's amazing to me. You know, so I've had the privilege of, of teaching God's word, right? And so we've been able to put them into podcasts and put them on the web. And that's a struggle. Pray for me because I, I don't want to be um, prideful in those things. But I, I find it interesting that I, I put up um, one on focusing on the Christ. And, uh, and it was shared a lot. I put up one then a couple weeks later on the revelation um, and it was shared even by an unbeliever, which is really kind of a neat thing. But I just recently put up one on knowing God and it got hardly any reaction at all. Now I don't want to make anything major about that other than I find it interesting. People want to know factoids. People want to know all about the prophecies and, and everything else that might be happening that's going on here. But when it comes to denying myself in order to know God, all of a sudden people lose interest. They walk away. We want what we want rather than what God wants. And so Satan is a master um, of this logic game that distracts us from truly knowing God's word and, and seeking after him. Um, other than making the Bible as a um, a study book. It's not a study book. It's a love letter. And we need to realize that, that it's not a book for us just to study and learn factoids. But God wrote what he wrote in order to draw us deeper and deeper in a relationship with him. If it's not really your honest desire within your heart, God knows that. And I would just ask you to challenge you to to pray as a believer saying, God, draw me into that deeper relationship. So they're inflated against the knowledge of God. But so Paul then comes and uses this word, then deflating, the, the casting down um, these arguments, the word casting down, you can see that I put up there, is kath-aerontos, and so kata-aerontos. Again, and so it's that word kata. It means against, to to come against that lifting up. And so, so as the, the inflating is happening, that we know then the word of truth, because we have on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and we know how to use it. And we use it then against these these arguments, these arguments of logic. They sound good. Wow, that's really interesting. But no, no, that's not what God's word says. And so if we don't know God's word, there are a lot of people who are out there who are able to use logic and, and put us in the pretzels almost. Because we don't know, well, well, maybe that's true. But if we would be students of God's word, Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It comes from us having this relationship with God through his word, not studying it as a manual, not studying it as a, a study guide, but rather as a a love letter that he wants us to learn more and more about him and then walking according to the truth that he gives to us in order that we might be prepared in order to be able to to share these truths with others. And so here you can see from um, Acts 17, Paul of the Areopagus, he did this with those um, rational thinkers um, who actually then were worshiping all these other gods that was easier maybe in, in Paul's day because they literally had idols. And Paul said, look at you even got an idol that says the unknown God. Well, he's the one I want to talk to you about. You know what? We've got all those, again, I'm looking back into the idols, all around in our country today. And so we got to talk to them about that unknown God that they know sort of about, but they don't want to acknowledge. First Peter 3.15 in our kids' club, this is our key verse. Why? Because this is critical. I want our children in our church to to grow up, to be able to give a defense, to give an answer to anyone who asks them the hope that's within them. When someone says, why do you believe that? To be able to answer that question. We ought to be always ready. Look, it's not just for kids. This is for us as an adult. If someone asked you, why do you believe that you need to be baptized by immersion? You, oh, I don't believe that. I mean, that's just that's, that's one of those extraneous doctrines that you know, divides the church. It's not. It's not an extraneous doctrine that divides the church. Jesus told us that we're supposed to go out and make disciples, immersing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If Jesus wanted to use a different term, if he wanted to talk about sprinkling, he could have used that, but he didn't do that. He used a specific term, baptizo, which is the Greek word for dip, dunk, or immerse. I don't have time to get into all that but just something that's small. Creation. Oh, we don't want to, I mean, that divides the church. Who cares whether it was evolution or creation? God does. That's why he began his entire word with it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he tells us specifically how he did it. How on the first day he spoke and said, let there be light. There wasn't a process. There was a speaking and it happened. These things that by logic, Logic wants to go out there. And say, oh, well, we don't want to, you know, divide the church and all this kind of stuff. Listen, God put this truth in His Word for a reason. It's not relative truth, it is absolute truth. And everything in God's Word is absolute. I honestly, 100% believe the church will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air prior to the 70th week of Daniel's vision becoming undone. There were false teachers that came to the Thessalonians and convinced them by logic that Jesus had already come. And Paul writes them and says, don't let him do that to you. That's not true. I told you how it's going to happen. Jesus is going to come in the clouds and those who are dead are going to go up before us. But in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to join them. So Don't let people deceive you like that. The word of God is there for us to learn and to know the truth. Anyways, we are to know the word of God in order for us to be able to deflate those inflated arguments against the gnosis of God. God wants us to know him, not just know about him. Second Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. It's like if I come to your house and I build you a deck, you know, in the days of my my home improvement business, you know, we did that kind of stuff. What if I showed up and I didn't have a level, I didn't have a square, you know, I mean, would you be excited about the potential of what your deck was going to look like? No, I'd re- I would be a laborer, a workman who would ultimately then want to being ashamed because I wouldn't be able to properly cut the deck. I received a, um, a text, a picture text from somebody recently within the last two months who was working for a carpenter who didn't have that. And just he 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 didn't measure out to make sure this um, thing was square. And in the individual pointed it out to him. So he sent me a picture of it. He pointed it out to him that this thing's gonna it, it's not squared. And the guys, oh no, no one will even know. Just don't worry about it. Just do it. And then then they measure out because you're supposed to put your your joist 16 inches on center. And so you know they make their marks. And he and he asked them. He says, which side do you want me to, of the line? Do you want me to put the boards, or do you want them centered? And the guy's oh, I don't care. Just make sure that just as long as they're closed. You know, in the end, there's going to be problems with that deck because it wasn't built with the proper care. How do you treat God's word? Do you treat him like a workman that needs to be ashamed? Or do you treat it with the, the, the proper care that it should take, that you study it, that you that you examine it back and forth to make sure that you are following after truth. Well, in Colossians chapter four, we're told, let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one because we are to to answer them. We're not supposed to just say, well, I'm going to blow it off. I don't want to get into an argument. No, if it's based upon truth, truth. Sometimes we like our own truth. Again, we don't want anybody to bring truth into our lives, but we certainly want to be the the, the giver of truth to everybody else, you know, to set ourselves up as the, the, we are the end all of truth. And so, no, 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 you've got to listen to Mike No. If it's the word of God, then it is truth. If it's only of Bob, it is subject to error. We need to be ready to, to be able to give that answer to everyone. Psalm 119, it's been amazing. I don't know if you've paid attention to this, but as we've memorized Psalm 119 over the last year and a half, how much David talks about the afflictions, I think it was David who wrote it anyways, who writes about the afflictions that he's been undergoing. But also with this is juxtaposed in conjunction with the, the word of God and, and how the word of God is that which gives him strength as he goes through these afflictions of life that he's going through. And so here in Psalm 119, verse 97, which we did a, a little while back, he says, Oh, how I love thy law. Remember that? It is my meditation all the day. You through your commandments have made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Not my enemies, but your word. It's ever with me. As I hide your word in my heart, your word then always is with me because I'm meditating on it. So then as my enemies then come against me, I have your word. Verse 99, I, am, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than ancients because I keep your precepts. I got to move on. Casting down arguments. It again comes back to knowing the word of God. If I don't know the word of God, I can't deflate the arguments that are being brought to me. I will continually be overwhelmed. The question is, do you really want to be used by God in that way? The second or third third of these um areas second for today is bringing every thought into captivity and so the object of the captivity then is every thought in every way of thinking and so you can see that there in in the passage when it talks about it says that we're bringing into captivity if you if you get that and then it's what every thought well Every thought again, this is the word nuance, and so it is literally the way of thinking. And so, in Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, in, um, in fact, let, let's just go there. Second Corinthians, since we're here, let's read this from the word. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Okay, hopefully, you're there. Second Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to begin at verse 10 for the context. It says, Now whom you forgive anything, I also will forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sake, in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his thoughts, his devices, his way of thinking. So again, we know from Ephesians chapter six, with the armor of God, that we're supposed to stand against the wiles, the trickeries, the chicanery of the devil. He doesn't. He doesn't uh, fight. Uh, in a nice way, right? And so guerrilla warfare is all there. Well, he's got his devices. He's got his way of thinking. Behind the scenes, he is already trying to plan how he's going to work with us. And then in chapter 11, which we'll, Lord willing, look at in the next um, about two weeks from now, week or two, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 says, I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The word minds is ours. So I fear lest somehow a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your way of thinking may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And so so the way of thinking that is there, it's his schemes. This is the eternal external struggles that we go through where Satan is coming and he is bringing these schemes against us but then it comes then again within us into the way we think and then back in chapter 3 then second corinthians 3 verse 14 where we're reading about the children of Israel again I'll read from context beginning of verse 13 unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what is passing away but their minds the way they were thinking, were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. And then finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is an image of God should shine on them. And so we have this battle then that's going on from the outside of us and bombarding us from the outside, but also from within us. We're told by James in James chapter one, that we're drawn away towards sin of our own lusts. It comes from within us. And so the same concept that this battle of our flesh that goes on from within us. And so, this every thought and way of thinking is the object of the captivity, but the place of captivity is very um, is interesting to me. It is in obedience to Christ, into the obedience of Christ. So I want to bring those thoughts that are the ways of thinking that are out there, and I want to bring them into the obedience of Christ. Now. The word obedience um, is the word hupo um, Here, uh, literally, it's hupo um, But hupo is literally to bring yourself under the hearing of. And so uh, hupo-tasso is the word for submission. And so um, so in Ephesians chapter 5, when it tells uh, the wife to be in submission to her husband, it's the word hupo It's not the word hupo But then in chapter 6, when it says that the children are supposed to be an obedient to their parents. It's the word hupakuo. So the word hupatasso um, is the, the idea that you can think through the process and choose to come bring yourself under the authority of someone else. The word hupakuo is um, I am in basic training and the DI says to me, jump. And I say, sir, how high, sir? And then I, I'm doing exactly what I'm told because it's kuo I' am under the hearing of I hear the, the the voice I hear the message and I respond immediately not this one two that, that three count is, it has nothing to do in god 's word I, that's again that's logic that's that comes from the world that we give our kids a three count in order for them to obey God desires instant obedience that's what he wants it's not um, obedience now understand he wants obedience and so praise god if even if the obedience comes later on but he wants us to obey he wants us to be under the hearing of and so in um john chapter 10 verse 27 that's jesus speaking and he says my sheep hear my voice i know them and they follow me they hear a kuo they hear my voice they're under my hearing they obey me they follow me because they hear me speak and they do what i ask them to do that should be a challenge do you hear his voice do you hear the savior's voice first john chapter 1 says that god is light and in him is no, is no darkness at all if we say we have fellowship with him and we walk continually in the darkness then we lie and we do not the truth. First John chapter two says that that um, that those who say they know him ought to walk even as he walked. And so if we proclaim to know him, then we oughtn't be walking in darkness as a as a continual pattern of our lives, and we ought to be desiring to walk according to his truths. If those things aren't true in your life, the third thing in First John is loving the brethren. If if these three things aren't true in your life, if the, the, the light, um, the love, and the life aren't true in your life, then you really have to challenge yourself and ask yourself whether you really do know him or not. Um, are you really under his hearing? Hebrews chapter 4 um, is a passage that we all know. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And in Colossians 3, we read, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life was hidden with Christ and God. If you know Jesus Christ, then your flesh ought to be mortified, destroyed, and you ought to be desiring then to think like he thinks, to live like he lives. You need to be able to bring every thought into captivity. Again, that's from the outside and from the inside. Then, as you are bombarded with these ways of thinking, that you grab them and bring them into the obedience of Christ, and you say, "That's not truth." Psalm one: Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. It's that progression. He, he listened first. And then he stopped and listened more, and then all of a sudden he sat down and started to, to participate in it with them. When I hear that, I need to bring it into captivity, to, into the obedience of Christ, under the hearing of, of what Christ has said. Again, that's his word, that's his truth. I need to know his truth. I need to be rightly dividing the word of truth so I know an error when I hear it and that I can discard it and put it away. The final one of these, um, objects um of utilizing our weapons is for preparing justice this is really an amazing thing to me this the judgment of god and in our place in it which we're going to get to the very end here in just one moment but quickly i just want to share and we know this and i'm not going to go through all these passages you can look these up but that judgment ultimately belongs to god and so um, we're told in that passage i'm being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled or completed. Well, judgment belongs to God. Romans 12, 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith Yahweh. He is the one who will then repay that. Isaiah 59, you can look at this later um, in Daniel chapter nine. Uh, judgment 's going to come at the end times. We know about this judgment that's going to come. Um, John sixteen talks about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit comes into the world. He convicts the world of righteousness, judgment, and sin, so that there is going to be no man with who has an excuse because God is working within every single individual, whether through creation itself as a part of his revelation, the natural revelation, or through his word, through the the written revelation that God is is, is coming through the Holy Spirit to each individual, and he is He is giving them some revelation um, for them to understand that he exists and they will give an account for that in the end days. And so revelation chapter six, verse nine to 11. Again, we don't have time to look at that right now, but chapter six is talking about the martyrs who are underneath the altar and they're crying out to God. This is the, um, the fifth of the seals in um, seal judgments. And they cry out how long Oh oh, God, holy and true till till.'" we wait for the vengeance to come and he says just a little bit longer and he gives them white robes to put on while they're waiting. And then in chapter 19, excuse me, we see the judgment upon the nations at the battle of Armageddon. But, but even more so in chapter 20, the great white throne judgment that is there and that every man, small and great, every individual on the face of the earth, it doesn't matter who they are, are all going to stand before the great white throne judgment of God, of Christ. And, that there are going to be books that are their books, annals that of, of my life and of your life, of our works. And every one of us, at least with, apart from Christ, are, are being judged of our works. And the reality is that every individual, based upon their works, is condemned that none of us deserve to go to heaven. But we're told there's that other book, the, book, the Lamb's Book of Life. And whoever's name is written in that Lamb's Book of Life, they can enter into um, paradise. They will be able to enter into presence to go live with God. That's the ultimate judgment that there, And so that judgment belongs to God, ultimately belongs to God. But look what it says in, in this passage as well, in 2 Corinthians 10, because we're going to look at this passage in 1 Corinthians 6 here. It says, for preparing justice. This is talking to us. Remember how this applies into our lives for um, being ready to punish all disobedience and the, the disobedience there, I didn't share that, is the word parakuin, besides the hearing of. In other words, it's not under the hearing, but it's beside the hearing of. They hear it, but they're beside it. In other words, they're, they're not going to listen to it at all. Beside the hearing of. When your obedience, hupakuo, under the hearing of, is fulfilled, completed, ra'o, And we see that from the fact that we then are the jury, that there is a place that you and I are going to, we're going to stand as the jury. So, if you got your Bibles, turn to First Corinthians chapter six. We're going to end with this passage. But First Corinthians chapter six, this is huge, um, very important. I, I think that we forget um, the importance that we have. And so, as you're turning there, I want to remind you, like First Corinthians chapter eleven, where it talks about the authority that we have um, in 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 Christ, that the the authority structure that that the head of Christ is the Father, is God. The head of man is Christ. The head of woman is the man. But then it goes on and tells the woman that she should have it on a head covering and that long hair is given to her as the head covering, but that she should have it on, not for the man, but for the angels. That a woman, she ought to be displaying then submission to her husband because of the angels that there is a place where we are going to stand in judgment um, with, with God on these things. Look in chapter 6, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the first letter, chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Dear any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, Are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother and that before unbelievers. Now, therefore... It is already an utter failure for you that you you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. In such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Oh, brethren, we have the, the privilege that one day we are going to be, in a sense, the jury that's going to sit there with the judgment of God. I can't, I am so unworthy of that. My righteousness is like a filthy rag. But again, it's not my righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness that we ought to be seeking to pursue, pressing toward the mark for the high call of God in Christ Jesus, forgetting the things which are behind, reaching forward to the things which are before, in order that using and knowing this truth, I might draw others to the God who loves me. Then I might be able to pull down the strongholds that are standing against the truth of God. That I might be able to cast down, cast the arguments that lift themselves up against the gnosis, the knowledge of God. That I might be able to bring every thought that that comes against me into captivity bringing it under into the obedience of Christ and then ultimately knowing and preparing myself to, to be a part of that end time jury that's going to be standing there as a witness with God, that God's word is true and that he gave it to me. Do the angels cringe when they see your obedience or do they laugh? Because of the mockery that they make of God. Because we who know truth reject it. It says in the Psalms, "He is um, uh, a fool has declared in his heart there is no God. The fool has declared in his heart there is no God. Jerry Smith, many years ago, Jerry's an older saint, years ago in a men's breakfast, I'll never forget it, He says, if it is a fool who says in his heart, there is no God, how much greater a fool is it who knows that there is a God and yet lives like there isn't one? Peter says that when judgment comes, he's going to start with the house of God. He's going to cleanse us first. Oh, that we who know the truth, who have the armor at our disposal, would place it for his glory. How would you rate your obedience to Christ? Are you living under his hearing? Are you seeking to prepare yourselves as a soldier of Christ in order to be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you? What thoughts are you giving priority to? Are you listening more to the world or to Christ? Finally then, is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. It is true lord it is the absolute truth it is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword oh father i don't pray just for these but lord i pray for me lord that you will give me an increasing burden and desire for your truth of your word lord that that i would be filled with it more and more and more that i would be greater prepared every day to give an answer, to give a defense to everyone who asks me a reason for the hope that's within me. Lord, give us boldness that we would not be yellow belly chicken livers. Lord, that we would not walk away, quote-unquote, from the fight, from the spiritual battle that's there. But Lord, that we would have the empowerment that only you provide. That Lord, we would know that in that day that you will speak through us by your Spirit. But God, that's using your word. Lord, help us then to be faithful to hide your word in our hearts that we would not sin against you. Lord, that we would have more understanding than our enemies, that we would have more understanding than those teachers who are of the world who seek to use human logic. Lord, that we would not look to the anthropologic, the logic of man, but we would look at theologic, the logic which is from God. God, that we would seek your truth and we would seek to share it, that our mouths would be salted with your word at all times. God, that we would be like the salt of the world. Oh, Father, I pray for our assembly, Lord, that we would be like a city that is set upon a hill whose light cannot be hid. Lord, allow us to be a light in this neighborhood, in our community, in our region, and throughout the world, Lord, that you would use us to be able to proclaim your truth. Lord, that we would not be murmurs and disputers but lord that we would be holding forth the word of life that you might receive the glory lord thank you again thank you thank you thank you for the the salvation that you have given to us in christ jesus lord we are so unworthy of it lord help us to put on the armor every day lord knowing that the battle is going to be there it's going to be there lord ready to hold up that shield of faith lord ready to use the sword of the Spirit and to deflect the battle, the, 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 the blows that are coming against us. Lord, that we would use our tongues not as um, swords of destruction, but rather as, as swords of edification, as scalpels of truth. Oh, God, forgive us. Help us to humble ourselves to seek your face, to turn from our wicked ways. Lord, heal our land, but begin the process in us, in our hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.